Hey, this is Bob in the Don't Die Podcast, brought to you by Ohana Fest down in Dana Point, and brought to you by Live Nation, bringing you concerts all over the world. It all begins with getting off drugs, people. Let's go out and live life. Get sober, get the right treatment for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck. That is what we do around here. Day after week after month after year, we do not die. Well, eventually, it's not going to be like that, though. Well, that's the whole joke. I'm setting up a however many year punchline so that everybody who listens to this can say, well, Bob died today, so he did not die today. <laughs> well, that'll be that'll be the one where we it go. reminds me well, of top top Jimmy used to call me Mr. Jones from way before Anthony and Flea and, and the Salonius Monster and all that, like from 81. Because I was like a top Jimmy groupie. And he used to call me, hey, Mr. Jones. He'd walk up to the cafe and say, hey, Mr. Jones. And uh, never knew what it meant. So then that was probably in 82, really. He started calling me Mr. Jones. In 87, like I'm starting to feel equal to top Jimmy, right? I got next Saturday afternoon out. Me and Mike <laughs> wrote the greatest song anymore. I'm feeling, and he still calls me Mr. Jones. He And I heard him one time refer to me as Bob, you know, away from me in the lingerie dressing room. He said, well, talk to Bob. But then when he he talks to me, he calls me Mr. Jones. We'd go to sushi on Las Palmas. He'd say, Mr. Jones, buy me some sushi. (laughs) And uh, uh, (laughs) so finally I stood up to him. This is six years later, Chuck. I go, you know, the whole calling me Mr. Jones, like, I don't know what that's about, but you need to just stop. You know my name. I don't know why you call me Mr. Jones. You never even explained it to me. And he goes, because you know something's happening, but you don't know what it is. (laughs) (laughs) He waited six years to deliver that punchline. That's awesome. And I'm waiting. I'm hoping to wait 10 or 15, 20 more years until we deliver the punchline where, well, one of the three of us is going to go, but it'll probably right. be me first. It'll probably be me first. Uh, so, know. so then you can say, well, Bob didn't, he didn't live up to the podcast story. <laughs> we'll so just, just come on like there's nothing, <laughs> nothing went on. And I'll, and, and I'll say, stop dying, Chuck. <laughs> Continue on. We'll see if anybody so notices. Are, by the way, there are a lot of people dying. I know that no major media is paying any attention. Certainly the United States government doesn't seem to care. No. Uh, it is now the leading cause of death. Chuck, you had texted me that thing a couple weeks ago and we never talked about it. Leading cause of 45. death, right? 18, 18 to 45. Mike yeah. Mark, drug overdose death is the leading cause of death in America from 18 to 45 year olds. Ah, that's insane. You remember when it was like heart disease? Yeah, well, no, it always had been car accidents for 18 to 45. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, somebody, I love the gray of life. So I'm going on and on about fentanyl and drugs and nobody's paying attention. A friend of mine pointed out, you know, well, there's such great car safety now. The car accident deaths are way down, too. So it's one of those things like, you know, yeah, it eclipsed car accident deaths, but car accident deaths used to be like in the 50s of thousands. Now it's down to 25,000. What is shocking, though, it's twice as many as gun deaths. And how much do we fucking hear about guns every day in this country? Oh, yeah, yeah. Twice as many people die from drug overdoses as die from guns. But yet we don't hear anything about drug overdoses. Twice, in, twice as many. It's twice way more as than many. that. It's 25 and 50,000. Well, I'm just going by fentanyl. It's 50 to 47,000 fentanyl overdose deaths. And then when they go to 122, that's there's a lot of people dying of methamphetamine. I don't know how. How the hell is that? Because they can do so much more because of the fentanyl. Well, what do they die? It's probably probably a meth fentanyl. Is their heart explode? You know, I we need a doctor to talk about that. Aneurysms. No, are you sure, Mike? You're just pulling it out, out of your I'm just pulling it right out of my ass, but still, <laughs> I think it's aneurysms. That... I think it's probably heart. <laughs> I'm not even heart, on the computer. I think it's probably heart attack. It's heart attack, <laughs> I think. 
But look huh. it up. Somebody look it up. What about, I got a, what about a blood vessel blowing in the brain? Like, you know, how like about the, the fact I'm 62 and I've never really had a computer and I don't know how to work one and I'm doing just fine. What about that? Well, you got us to do it for you. <laughs> no, I can Google. <laughs> you said, I can said, Google. <laughs> I'm just like, no, anybody can Google. I just, I'm only have my phone here and I'm doing the show on it. So I can't Google and do the show at the same time. But you guys have computers and phones. So you could Google search things. But yeah, a lot of people dying of methamphetamine in 2022 in that report that came out. I'm just like, how the fuck are they dying of methamphetamine? Got to have fentanyl in it. Um, Got to be, gotta be yep, fentanyl related. Yep, Wouldn't that defeat with, the purpose with, of having the speed in it? <laughs> how many deaths was there from methamphetamine? Does it say? Um, without fentanyl. If I bought some speed, I would I would be bummed if it had the other in it because then you'd be like, well, wait a yeah, minute. You're, you're, you're not with the kids. Mike, uh, if yeah. you went to Coachella, you would be so lost. But you wouldn't, wouldn't they know call what it to something do. else? <laughs> All I'm saying is wouldn't Mike, they call Wait a minute. I was just at Coachella feeling so old. Mike, you would, you would not even know what was going on, I think. There's no music. For one thing, it's not like music like we know. It's not like songs with choruses. It's more like, it's like a new thing, Mike. You need when to you check it out. you catch up to me, I'll let you know, okay? Because I have three <laughs> teenage girls, okay? So do you know who Bad Bunny is? Yes. How the fuck is, what is that? Tell it's me what it's it a is. bunch of electronic <laughs> stuff that sort of has its own, I mean, they love it because it has its own vibe. It's not your music. It's not my music. It's not Chuck's music. Wait a minute, wait a minute, though. Music has remained the same since like um i don't know since great point you know but music, oh, wait wait it has wait, to did, change did, did we did we want this the uh, in 2020 there were only 184 methamphetamine involved overdose deaths huh? yeah but, and then go but 82% involved fentanyl um but they said it, if when it involves fentanyl it's still only Point three per one hundred per one hundred thousand. So it's not it's in twenty twenty, but go to twenty twenty two CDC website. Oh boy, there was a whole thing where methamphetamine had gone up four thousand percent methamphetamine deaths. So what is one hundred eighty times forty? Like yeah, they had like four four thousand something deaths oh, of methamphetamine. Like I've never, mm. I've never known anybody that's died of meth, and I've been around meth since I was 18 years old. So it's weird. It's a weird methamphetamine a, overdose deaths rise sharply nationwide. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, methamphetamine it, overdose deaths surged in an eight-year period in the United States, according to a study uh, published by uh, Today. Uh, Jama Psychiatry, blah blah blah. Analysts to reveal blah blah blah. blah, blah, blah. But the American Indian, Native American, and highest had the highest death rates overall. Deaths involving methamphetamines more than quadrupled among non four times, yeah, four thousand percent, or four four hundred four hundred percent. Wow, that's crazy, and they're saying that's huge in the native population. So uh, you're American saying, Indian, yeah, American Indian and Native and Alaskan Amer and natives, yeah, that's are, crazy. Are the highest are the highest hit, and so, it's because of poverty. Well, yeah, it's the cheapest. But but anyways, I just like, you know, this whole thing is about drug overdose deaths in America. It's done nothing but skyrocket. It, it had an emergency. Trump released some emergency warning about drug overdose deaths in 2019. It's 2023, and the death rate has gone up every year. And yet nobody talks about it at all except for us. It's crazy. Mm. I get that. So I feel an obligation to keep the message out. Here's what's the newest thing, Chuck. And I don't know if you've had this too, Mike, but uh, parents are asking me at Sydney school, how do you know if your kid has a predisposition for addiction? Hmm. Parents are already frightened of this fentanyl thing. You know, if you've got a 10 year old, you're fucking scared because 13, 12 is closing in quickly. And you're right. hearing about all this stuff. There was th three kids overdosed at a middle school in LA last Friday. Uh, I told you here in, here in 
Claremont, there was fentanyl dealing going on at the middle school. Um, so parents are well aware that drugs are at the 11, 12, 13 year old. Yeah, like 12, 13. What's, what's well, middle school? Right here, Bob, that younger age, uh, first cannabis users, this is for you, Chuck, or prescription drug misuse is associated with faster development of substance use disorders. So yeah, the if earlier, if, the if earlier you've got your kids you on Adderall or if you're letting them smoke weed in your house, eh, probably not a good idea. Well, this is the other side of that is they don't need to be predisposed to have a fatal occurrence with it. a drug like fentanyl. Now, if you we know, were talking about methamphetamine or drinking or weed or long-term use of anything, that's where we need to worry about a predisposition and a genetic predisposition or environmental or all those no, factors well, that come together. I, but you don't I, need yeah, to worry about that's that. That's too fentanyl. technical. That's too technical. You're talking to a parent who's worried their kid is going to get on drugs within the next 24 months and well, what I to do about it. What to <laughs> yeah. do about it. Well, you got to start talking Talk. to them when they're 10 yeah. years old. And people yeah. are scared to. People don't talk to their kids. They think they're too young. They're, oh here's my. here's the, the earliest mom I knew that lost a kid. The kid was 13, right? So 10 ain't that far away from 13, right? You got to no. figure the kid died at 13, probably was doing drugs when they're 12. That's the age. It's a tweener age. It's Are not, they talking it's to not, their kids? About anything else Nobody that's important, is. like Nobody sex is. and no. drugs. Nobody's talking well, about anything. They're exposed to all of it on the internet, so you'd better be talking to them because they know what drugs and sex and violence and guns and all these things are. You, I hope you're talking to your kids about it. I mean, whenever, uh, even with, with Bug, like people say, you talk to him about this stuff, and he asks me all the time, is he sober? And Bug knows that someone who's sober is someone who used to do those things and doesn't anymore because it was it was bad for them and it wasn't going well. I don't get into any of the rest of it, but the you know the idea of Bug knows who my friends are that are sober and he knows the ones that aren't. Well, I have a six-year-old that knows that we have a homeless population because we don't care about our addicts and mentally ill people. See? That's how my six-year-old sees it. And anybody who tells you it's a lack of housing has never met homeless people. The point I was making with saying that is that Chuck has been saying that all along that cannabis use does lead to harder drugs. And he, you know, and I kind of argued with him about it. Like, I don't think so. I don't know. But, you know, it's, there's a scientific fact right there. You know, they did a study and there it is. Yeah, but I mean, you can say milk does. I mean, you can just yeah, like whatever. The, the, the question is this crossing over into the dangerous drugs. Everyone who's got above 80 IQ knows what dangerous drugs are, right? Alcohol, let's keep it separate. Marijuana is not as dangerous as cocaine or methamphetamine or heroin. And anybody who tells you it is the same thing, which Dr. Drew says it's the same thing all the time, and I've argued with him for 27 years about it, it's not the same thing. And when we start saying it's the same thing, that's when kids tune out and just don't want to hear anything we oh, have no, to say. Not, not that it's the same thing, but it certainly changes the people. It can change the people you hang out with. And your motivation and everything else. It doesn't have, and it's, it just has a, a always, negative effect always, on youngsters. We always, we always steer towards arguments we want to make. So maybe those kids they're hanging out with are, are, are better for to hang out with than the kids they were. You don't know that. You're just being, you're just presenting your side of the argument. Oh, you hang out with different people. That sounds like 1950s Eisenhower. All oh, the bad people smoke marijuana and the good. Everybody smokes weed. I told you I was just at Coachella for two weekends. Everyone, 70-year-old guys, 70-year-old guys. Everyone smokes weed. Everybody smokes weed. No, I people went to that want to go to the desert to a concert smoke weed. <laughs> Not everyone smokes weed, Bob. I, I, I understand. Oh, you want to bet? You want to bet? <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I would check like to out, bet. Check how much <laughs> recreational marijuana use in the state of California. It's 50% of the population, Chuck. Okay. It's so 40, 47%. Well, that's close <laughs> to everyone. That's not everyone. <laughs> it's half. It used to be 10%, 5%. That was reported. School it was teachers. School teachers. Okay, let's it. go down the line. School teachers smoke marijuana. School bus drivers smoke marijuana. <laughs> 
doctors smoke marijuana, nurses smoke marijuana, politicians smoke marijuana, Willie Nelson smokes marijuana. Uh, and so most it's not peop- the more same people thing drink as before. Smoke weed. More people drink than smoke weed. I'm not making it. Not I'm young not, people. I, dude, not, not young people. Not young people. Not I'm not anti weed, Bob. I get more young people. people smoke marijuana <laughs> no. than no. You're you, you can't make that argument. <laughs> more <laughs> young people. A higher percentage of young people smoke marijuana than drink alcohol. That's just that's a fact. Okay. You know what? L- let me read you something out of this thing, and let me ask you well, what the hell this guy's talking about. This doctor. And he says, uh, we know that young people are more vulnerable to developing substance use disorders, but knowledge is limited on how the prevalence of specific substance use disorders varies by the time since the first substance use or misuse among adolescents, young adults in America. So they're saying one thing, and then they're saying they don't really know on the second thing. I don't get it. Well, that well, that was before fentanyl. He wrote that before fentanyl. No, that fentanyl, was cannabis. Yeah, That's but cannabis fentanyl art. has changed everything. Uh, like I'm telling you, fentanyl has changed everything. Leading cause of death in America is de- is drug overdose. Right. That's crazy. That's right. crazy. That should shock everyone, but it doesn't. But what it does do is scare parents. And so we need to figure out like, how do you, how do you, how do you, like how I do it with my kids? They know everything. They know everything. So they have to have the right information. Or wrong, right or wrong, good or bad, whatever. Well, no, the, you're, I, I couldn't agree more with you. I think kids have to, have to know. It puts them in the seat where they can make a decision for good or for bad, right? Because they have to have information from people they love and trust, and that's you. It's certainly not going to be the school. It's certainly not going to be the TV. It's certainly not going to be well, the internet. My kids know a lot more than just about drugs and sex and stuff like that. They know about mediocrity and and the precious snowflakeism, like nobody gives a fuck. I tell my kids that all the time. Nobody gives a fuck. Chris Rock has a skit about it. I see him do it. I've been telling my kids that for fucking 12 years. They tell you at school, you're so special and oh, you're the best. And your parents tell you you're the best and you're so special. And every politician told the children, the children, the children, nobody gives a fuck about children in this country. 30% of the children in this country don't know whether they're going to have breakfast tomorrow. Nobody gives a fuck about children in this country. They give a fuck about fame and celebrity and social media and money and new cars and bullshit. But children, give spare me. And so I, I don't get that in detail with my kids. But this idea, <laughs> yeah, that's this idea that everybody's <laughs> so kowtowing, that, that everybody's so kowtowing to them and they're so unique and special. That you know, Chris Rock has that thing that he says. Like I tell my kids in this house. You're special. You're the most special, precious. You're my daughter. You're the greatest thing in this house. As soon as you walk out that door, nobody gives a fuck. And that's actually wrong because his daughters go out into the world being Chris Rock's daughters. Uh, And he's he's a little blind to that, to tell you the truth. (laughs) There's a little Stevie Wonder to that bit. Like, you're kind of like, yeah, they're going out there. Now, good and bad. Like celebrity kids have it ba- bad and good, right? I've seen it b- cut both ways. But, but the idea that the society cares so much—it's pretty obvious it doesn't. Children, children don't have food in America. Our children are shooting and killing each other. We we have a, a disproportionate like a disenfranchised whole race of people in this country that are murdered by the police on a regular basis. Young black boys on mopeds, as Sinead O'Connor said. Do you know that Sinead O'Connor had a song in 1991 called Black Boys on Mopeds about cops killing black kids? No. It's it's 2023. They're still doing it. They're still doing it. Nothing Mm. stops it. Right. So so when we tell our kids they're so perfect and everything's so great and do good in school and everything's going to be okay, And we have this society. That's why drugs fit so well with young people. It's the glue. It's the bridge of the of the lying bullshit 
that the schools teach and the society teaches and the reality of the society. Drugs are that thing that kind of, they comfort, they kind of, they kind of, I know that's why kids use drugs. I know that's why kids use drugs. That's great, Bob. But what is our excuse? Since we used <laughs> drugs thir- however many years ago, 35, 40 years ago. I, I'm, yeah, of the a, belief, a, I'm of the belief that we didn't use drugs for the same reasons as kids do today. Really? I, I, was, I was just going to say that. I don't think they, they I think they that's did. why their use is different. What they use is different. Huh. How they the use reasons is different. why they use is different. Everything about it, it's not even... Um, that was one of the things we used to do at Wavelengths. <laughs> We'd look at the drug cultures throughout history and have them do the reports and stuff on them. And this generation is the first one that doesn't really have like a an artistic movement to go along with it. Like a, there's no cult. There's no cult. If the Kardashians and Bad Bunny are the culture, we're in trouble. We're in trouble, and it is. Yeah, they said that about the hippies and the punks too. No, no, they didn't, Mike. The hippies were taken really seriously. They became a political movement that changed America. Organic foods, uh, the consciousness of the planet. So many things that the hippies came up with are now mainstream. Nothing that this kind of narcissistic, self-involved curation of your phony plastic surgery self is is sustained as being embraced long term. I don't think we'll, I won't be around to see it. But it I, took the '60s generation ten years to get that accomplished. They grew up. They literally grew up over a whole generation. I, I 1970, have, 1970 uh, to nineteen eighty. No, this, it goes from it goes from the summer of love sixty seven to however you want to say a generation is. So, so if you came of age in sixty seven. The next generation comes of age in 85. So we're the next generation, like a little younger than us is the next generation. So maybe, the, so you know what? I just thought of something. Maybe this Bad Bunny, Kardashian generation is the disco era. Same thing as a disco era. It's not going to have this huge impact. It's just going to allow the, uh, the others to grow up, you know, the younger generation. The, uh, what would you it know, be? The, the, the 90s, the, thing, the 90s. The thing, the thing is you've noticed, Mike, probably because you've got the you've got the girls in that age group, that the heroes change week from week. You know, it doesn't seem like it's the same. It's not the same like five or ten. Well, bands. here's an here's an interesting uh, thing I talked with Mark Cates today about. There are so, a lot of most things about music are subjective. It's just what you like, right? Mm-hmm. But th- some things are objective, are absolutely true. And you can't <laughs> say they're subjective. They are not. The I Beatles agree, are the greatest rock and roll band who ever existed. Anybody <laughs> who, who can think they are not, just song for song, impact on the society, however you want to measure pop culture, the Beatles are number one thing. Yeah, It's not right. subjective. Right. The Re- Rolling Stones are just a marketing gimmick in reaction to the Beatles. We're going to be the opposite of the Beatles. We're going to be <laughs> the bad boys and all this. That was Lou Goldheim's whole thing, Oldham. He was he was looking for a band to do that. It could have been John Mayer's Blues Breakers. It could have been any band in, in England that was playing that kind of music. He was looking for a band that was going to be the antithesis of the Beatles. So this guy was like a Malcolm McLaren. Where yeah, he, said, he was. We're just going to oh, be yeah. anti-everything. He's just going to be the opposite rather than skinny ties and whatever they're going to be disheveled and whatever. That was like, and if you go back to the early sixties press about the Rolling Stones, it's basically, yeah, it's very similar to the Sex Pistols press. They're obnoxious. They're, they're illiterate. They're this, they're that. And it was all curated by this Andrew Logue Oldham. Oldham. How do you say his name, Mike? Andrew Oldham. And and Brian Epstein was looking for a band. He took the Beatles, who were much like the Stones, and turned them into the Beatles. But the mm-hmm. fact is, those two guys, and then George Harrison later, there's nothing that compares to it. So it's not subjective, whether you like the Beatles or not. You can not like the Beatles, probably because you've heard them too much, or because you're an asshole, or 
<laughs> or because you, you just know, that's, that's most because, of it. Or because you know nothing about music and songwriting, <laughs> right? But you can't take the volume of music that band made and not say that's one of the greatest things in musical history. What What did they have? Like nine, ten years? Yeah, 12? like well, then they were only good from like Rubber Soul to to um, Let It Be. They were only good for like six well, that's six years. You're talking about they wrote all those songs in six years, Mike. But you got to look at Bob Dylan too. Yeah, Bob Dylan is lesser. Bob Dylan was more of an influence on other musicians. He wasn't like an influencer on the culture. Staunchly disagree. Staunchly. Well, look at the record sales. It's like three hundred and fifty million to twenty million. So you can say whatever you want. Because he changed every album. He changed up everything he did. I just said album. he had the most influence on other artists. He didn't have an influence on the culture like the Beatles. You okay? All right, culture, right? But, you know. but but what would you rather influence? Are the artists or the or the little kids, the teeny boppers? I would rather influence the artists because he can. You can look at Dylan, and you can. There's strings attached to every other artist. Father John Misty. Like, uh, you know, uh, like every, every, there's cross references of an influence of Bob Dylan in Boy Genius, this band that was one of the headliners yeah. at Coachella. It's yeah. everywhere, Bob Dylan. Yep. Um, the Beatles aren't everywhere. I'll give you that. They're, they don't have the influence that Bob Dylan does on music as an artistry. But the but mass the Beatles, of work, the mass of work that Bob Dylan has accomplished is just mind-boggling well but i mean sunra has more records how many records you make doesn't matter it's like it's like how much it influences other artists he there's no one in pop music and pop music starts in the what with elvis presley no, you're, you right, you're right you're right you're right would you pop say music, pop music very, starts very, with elvis presley and goes to bad bunny okay so from elvis presley to bad bunny and everything <laughs> in between it how is, long do you it can be it can be argued, and the Clash are my favorite band. I know that people don't like the Clash and don't get it. It's a subjective thing. Yeah, right. But the Beatles are not a subjective thing. No, cut and dry. You're right. Yeah, and so and and I would say there's certain things, you know, it's probably only a handful or a dozen. You know, I would say Motown in general is is an objective thing. What Motown did from Diana Ross to Marvin Gaye to Stevie Wonder, you can say, oh, it's not that much of an influence any individual artist or that not that oh, much of an influence on, on the culture. Yeah. But Motown in general, you're talking about the Jackson, Michael Jackson, <laughs> Diana Ross, Marvin Gaye, Smokey Robinson. It's just it's the, the list is almost Motown. endless. The amount, what of, Motown, the amount of things and how it affected music and how it brought and what it did for, for race term, relations in america yeah, yeah right it's it just like you know it's just a little bit it's crazy so to me there's it's just an it's just an interesting way of looking at music i just think there are objective things that and there's fringe ones that you can argue about led zeppelin right in to me, in most rock music, I hear Led Zeppelin, a little bit of Led Zeppelin. In in Jimi Hendrix is another fringe thing. If you talk to guitar players, nothing before or since has ever been that. But you the know, Beatles, you, the Beatles have influenced over a period of how many decades? Five now, fifty years exactly. 50. And yeah. They, it, yeah. So then the reason why I like I, the reason why we started talking about this was we we're talking about how it's object sports is objective. We we're talking about Michael Jordan. Like people have just forgotten Michael Jordan. They've just forgotten how great he is. But when you go back to his stats, there's no denying. Like Steph Curry just had a 50 point game seven playoff game right it's the first time it had ever been done and i was shocked like jordan didn't have 50 points in a seventh game and then when they were talking about it on talk radio yeah because he never he didn't play that many seventh games because he won in four games he didn't need seven <laughs> games to beat somebody <laughs> uh -huh. 
<laughs> did you watch did you watch the Knicks in the Miami game where Butler yeah, got I just, hurt? Yeah. yeah, I just watched it. I just watched that game and the and the game last a couple of days ago. But but you know, sports is quantifiable and music kind of isn't, but if you use just here's here's an interesting thing. I'm not gonna say I don't know how to tell this story without exposing the person and then them yelling at me and being mad at me. Uh, but uh, there was an artist who's the biggest seller artist of his generation. And there was going to be a festival, a concert with all the artists of that generation. And then one of them canceled. And so the show was canceled. And this, the most, the greatest artist of them who is not thought of to be the greatest artist of them, but just is called this friend of mine and said, you know what? I just want to, I, I'm not mad or whatever. I understand, but I just want you to look up something, look up record sales. And he goes, uh, okay, I will. He goes, no, I want you to do it right now while I'm on the phone. <laughs> uh <laughs> <laughs> because obviously this person had looked it up and the person who caused the concert to be canceled had sold like, 70 million records the guy on the phone had sold 300 million records and he was like what's the deal here like just like, replace him what's the deal? <laughs> <laughs> right uh. but, it, but it really is you can quantify music by how much it sells you really can and what's frightening is streaming because you don't really know I only trust sales, Chuck. Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> right. I don't trust streaming numbers because streaming, like I get it for free. It just comes on my phone. I don't give a fuck. I don't have to go pay for it. When you used to go to the record store and buy the record with your own money, mm -hmm. park in the parking lot, walk in, look around, get the record you want, maybe get another record, go in the used section, get another record. Now you got three records and you're... You know, I used to do this on a regular basis when I got sober. So I'd go to Rockaway and I would have like $50 in tips. And I'd think, I'm going to spend 20 bucks. And then I would find a bunch of stuff and it would be $43. And I would think, well, I can eat at Jack in the Box. And then I can, I work day after tomorrow. So I just have $5 for tomorrow. And of course I would do that. Or but, I could buy another six ninety nine album. People, this whole generation of people listening to music haven't done that, so I don't respect it. Not like Beatles record sales, not like Eagles record sales, not like you know David Bowie record sales. It's not the same thing. You understand? Does that make sense? It makes sense to me, and it's kind of frightening because think about AI and how that's all coming up and then how they could fabricate this number and make everybody think they're so popular they have to have this. Oh, they do that now. Yeah, they oh, do that they, now. oh, my God. I, no, no, no doubt. But the other thing is, is that those I do see a sort of like, remember when Juice World was a thing? It's like Juice World yeah. never existed. And remember we were talking about the That was 2019. Juice World was 2019, Chuck. That was like a hundred years ago. <laughs> in 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 new terms, I mean, and the fact that he died should have added to oh, his. Oh, did he die? Did he die? Yeah. yeah. Did he get murdered? Oh, that's a great question. Um, let me see. I thought oh he overdosed. God. Really? Just typing on the interwebs, everybody. Yeah. Thanks I to Al Gore. It. Thanks to Al Gore and the interweb. <laughs> Um, Al Gore invented the internet. That's yeah, he what he said. That's what he said. And <laughs> Where did he say it? Actually, he gets he gets shit done all the time. Did he really? Say I don't remember it? when I don't he said it. He really dude, said I don't remember it. when he said it. He said it on the president on the campaign trail in like yeah. twenty and through to uh, what was it ninety nine? Yep. <laughs> mm. I, well, how did he say it? Like, and I invented the internet. <laughs> no, he said if it was he, if it wasn't for him, the internet wouldn't have been invented. So then they changed <laughs> it to he invented the internet. If it wasn't for uh, why he gave the infrastructure because he, yeah, money, he funded or? he funded a lot of stuff that and, and sort of was a proponent of. Yeah, but the internet existed in the sixties among amongst NASA and and. Uh, in in aerospace they yeah, already DOS. had i mean it was just numbers and numbers and letters though it was yeah, it was DOS, language. Is that what it was, it called? was a dos language yes 
and they could mm. communicate back there and forth. There was no across. graphics. There was no nothing. It was a screen with a bunch of numbers and code. Okay. You, oh. could, you could communicate. Yeah. Real quick here. Um, uh, Higgins, he was on his private Gulf Stream jet flying from my uh, from Van Nuys to Chicago. Do you mean uh, Van Nuys was the last town he was found uh, alive in? That's so like Van Nuys Airport. Well, way to and, go out. And uh, they've been you know notified I, by federal agents that while they were en route that they thought that they had guns and drugs on the plane, law enforcement officials revealed they found 70 pounds of marijuana on the aircraft and said several members of Higgins' management team told them Higgins had taken several unknown pills while the police were on board searching the plane and well, then he, trying to get rid of himself that's like death. odb odb died that way too. so they said it was uh well the, what the what thing they credited to was oxycodone encoding toxic levels so he was trying to take them so they wouldn't confiscate wouldn't get them or find them or what was <laughs> it apparently uh, it's just I like, heard he, story. like you're I gonna eat them all true. before you get off the plane but wait i don't know if it's true but i heard that odb had warrants out for his arrest and he was in a recording studio and the cops came in and he had a little baggie of coke and he swallowed it and that's why he died can you look the up odb death <laughs> what is the mentality of that i'm gonna eat all my drugs so they um, don't get them what is <laughs> that's, a, that's a smart I, move i have never considered that ever i'll just go oh, to I jail to, i i i had i got pulled over and they searched me and whatever they searched my mouth but uh, you put it in the air conditioner. That's why. No, well, that was that was coke. That was like real coke. But no, uh, oh, that was like the corner rocks. But this was those triangles, those really thin triangles. I had like three of them in my mouth. I just chewed them and ate them. So. <laughs> no, and then okay, the cops. So. And then the cops didn't do anything. And then I felt like ah shit. And I went running home and I tried to throw it up. I threw up some pieces of it, but. I didn't even get sick. I mean, I was so toxic at that point. Even eating, Chuck, you can get so toxic as a drug addict that even eating crack doesn't have much effect on you. How about that? <laughs> no, the, the, crack, the crack wanted to get out. The crack tried to escape. <laughs> the crack said, no, it's too fucked in here. <laughs> yeah, it's too much Too much in here. The crack is not water-soluble. That's why. It just went through you. It's not water-soluble. You couldn't put crack in a spoon and... and and you know, cook it up. They, so what? So I just out, pooped it out. I just it's not water it soluble. So, uh, anyways, so well, so getting so, back to getting back to this this uh, this thing about the parents. I'm really interested. Like the parents <laughs> asking me, how right. do I know if my kid's an addict? And you're saying, Chuck, well, it doesn't matter, right? Well, if no, I don't think them having tendencies or having it run in the family or being um, having the sort of addictive behavior or personality, I don't think that that's as important as them just not even fucking with this at all, you know, because it, it is such a different game. And that's why we've been lied to. And that's been said so many times, like you pointed out, Bob, many times that. We were always told we were going to die if we did drugs. Then we did drugs and we had fun and very few people died. But it but it is different now. You can't just take a pill at a party, even if it looks like a Percocet or even if it looks like an Oxy. Well, I know somebody was it, saying somebody was saying, so I used to buy black beauties, right? I was into I was a mod for like a year. Did you know that, Chuck? Did I tell you that we gone into this? I was oh a mod. I, I was a mod in 1978. And when my junior year of high school, I got a parka, I got every. Did I you get a Vespa? Whole, no, I couldn't afford a Vespa, but I had an Audi Fox, a car that was pretty cool, pretty Euro. Nice. But my my friend Vic had a, a Vespa, and um, and Luis Garcia had an MG. We were kind of the Euro cool Huntington Beach guys. Got beat up a lot. Got really? picked on a lot. <laughs> it doesn't happen to kids anymore. You know that they, they don't get picked on for the way they look. You can look any way you want. Yeah, nobody does anything. <laughs> I would I remember I was then in 79, my senior year, I went, I went kind of like new wave. I used to wear this gold, uh, like Bowie gold uh 
a jacket, zip up jacket. I think it was a girl's jacket. I don't, I don't know for a fact, but it was pretty shiny. And I'm walking in the cafeteria at Marina High School, and this egg just comes and just sails past me, <laughs> and then another one, <laughs> and they miss me. And I was like, and I just put my hands up, like, you can't even hit me, you fucking lame ass jock. <laughs> you lame ass jocks. You know what? Now you can't even call people jocks. Like, that's an insult. Well, there's so many different. There's so many different groups that back then there was only jocks, nerds, and punks. <laughs> I was, a, I was like, a, or surfers, yeah. stoners. I was stoners a nerd morphing. I was now a nerd like, morphing into a mod into a new waiver. Yeah, I was really so into many different groups. There's you know, there's, I was, there's rapper. There's you know, there's uh, LBGTQ. There's trans. There's there's a whole bunch of tons tons of groups. Yeah, Did but uh, when everybody's so individual, there's no groups. It's just a bunch of snowflake individuals. <laughs> well, oh, they, don't go, they don't go. They, they don't need to stop places. using that snowflake <laughs> analogy around your kids, especially. <laughs> well, no, I, you know, here's what it really is. You know what? And I agree, Mike. It is a bad term. Entitled. I like it. I use entitled. Entitled all the time. is what is what snowflake. Entitled is what snowflake is. You know, like, because. Somebody we, asked me today, what is the problem? Snowflake was used by the right wing to, to signify and uh, demean a liberal. That's exactly what it was. Oh, I don't mean it that way. I just mean sniveling babies. Like, to me, the Trumpers are the biggest <laughs> sniveling babies. They're the biggest sniveling babies, the Trumpers. You know, I went to stagecoach also. Have you been using Snowflake this whole time and you don't even know actually where No, I didn't know. I didn't know that's what the N-word meant. I just thought I just thought it rhymed with Tigger. No, no. What's more of a Snowflake than somebody? Listen to this. I went to stagecoach too. That's a good story too. But I go to stagecoach. There's all these bumper stickers. They're kind of like, they're all talking about uh the the uh your rights a lot of bumper stickers like about your rights like read it it's not just something read it like it used to be i used to like when i was a communist and they told me why don't you move to russia like simple shit like that it's complicated like references to the bill of rights and the and and uh and the amendments and all that it's like a little too heady for me coming from people that are not wearing shirts and it's 108 degrees. Right. Right. The, so I go, so I drove to, I drove down there to try to meet Ryan Bingham. Right. Do you know who this guy is? Such a great songwriter. He, yes. he has a song in the South out of here. Take me home. So he is one of the main musicians that has multiple songs in the TV show Yellowstone. And I'm trying to do this thing of the music of Yellowstone, kind of a project of mine. So he's probably my favorite. I, I listen to, you know, I listen to like 50 songs of, of the TV show Yellowstone, of songs that were on it. A lot of them, you know, it's not my cup of tea or whatever, but, but some of it is just so great. And he is the best of the songs, Chris Stapleton and him. So, and I know I can't get Chris Stapleton because he's like a marina headliner, right? So, I want to go meet Ryan Bingham, see if he's up into this idea, right? Um, and I figure I'll meet his road manager at best because he's playing Wiley stage. Wiley's listening to this right now. Shout out to Wiley and Kobe for taking care of me and my kids for three weekends in a row. Um, but so... So I'm, I'm thinking he's, well, Ryan Bingham's playing Wiley stage. If I get there early, I can figure it out. He'll maybe introduce me to Ryan Bingham or his road manager or somebody, or maybe the manager's there. Maybe I can talk to somebody. So main reason I went to stagecoach, we get there, it's 108 degrees, right? And mm. so it's, no, for one thing, Chrissy didn't want to go. Elvis didn't want to go. I wasn't taking Idris by myself with Sydney. So he, I made it up. <laughs> I made it up that Idris didn't want to go. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it was because of the heat. Everybody could, you know, it was like, you know, the weather in Southern California, though, like scare you more than, than, uh, than political stuff. Like storm watch. There's a storm watch right now, Chuck. You know, it might sprinkle tomorrow. 
Stormwatch no, 2023. No, yeah. Stormwatch. And, oh, there's a heat thing. Elderly people need to go to the senior centers to keep cool. All this. <laughs> like, we are, we are so crazy about our weather. And basically, when, like, Boston people, I have two Boston people in my life, there's, like, it's like the same weather, like 90% of the time here. <laughs> like, yeah. like It's a little too hot in, in August, September, and it's, it rains a little bit in February. That's, that's, that's the take <laughs> of East Coast people. Like, why yeah. do you guys have these storm watches? It's raining, right? So, so, uh, so I go down there, and, and it's like, Ryan, Ryan Bingham's playing at like 420. It's like, it's like, 3.30. I say, Sid, well, let's get a golf cart. You have to wait in this line to get on a golf cart. And I said, well, let's go wait in the, and go get on a golf cart over there because it's pretty hot to walk over there. And she loves riding on a golf cart, so that livened her up. And so we get in this golf cart in the back because Sydney likes to ride in the back to look out at the other cars driving behind us and stuff like that. <laughs> this, couple, this couple gets in, in the middle part, right? And the guy's driving. Go there. Um... I'm looking around. Wiley's in a weird mood. He's like, I can't get you on the stage. Because <laughs> in okay. Sahara, at Coachella, you can walk right on the stage and see the bands and stuff. But stagecoach is a little different, a little tighter. Like I think country people are more locked down maybe than than mm. just than, than techno people. Anyways, so he's not in the mood to help me with the Ryan Bingham introduction. I'm not knowing what to do. It's hotter <laughs> than fuck. We're there early. So we go in the in Wiley's trailer where Kobe is, and Sid's playing with Kobe, his dog, and I'm just yeah. standing there. And the couple that was on the golf cart with us is there, and I'm like, you know, we're talking, and oh, and my, the, you know, it was just like the four of us and this dog. And then I noticed the guy's got a bottle of Jack Daniels in his hand, and I'm like, oh, okay, must be Real a musician. He must be a musician. <laughs> <laughs> looking at him and he's so nice and he's just talking like a regular person and uh and he rode in the golf cart with us like just walking around coachella with his girlfriend i mean stagecoach with his girlfriend and then he's just in this thing and it, because it's the one air-conditioned area in the backstage area right he's talking a little bit and he's sitting at this desk and whatever and 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 then we stay in there for like 10 minutes the girl braids sydney's hair then we go out Aww. out to uh, watch the stage show, and then Ryan Bingham comes walking out. It's the guy that rode in the car with us. I know it's in the air conditioning. It's he's not Ryan Bingham. I don't know what he looks like. I mean, I should know what he looks like, Chuck. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's always just a little bit of stuff in my plan that's not fully thought out like if you're going, you know if, if, if you're going to talk to this guy if you're driving three hours if you're riding you know you're walking for miles to get to into the thing and it's 100 degrees and you take a golf cart you should probably know what the guy looks like wait weren't you the guy that was just bragging about how you don't need to use computers this is <laughs> the perfect time for you to have used, they got this thing called the Google. If you put in his name, it would bring up pictures of him. And you pictures of him are on the internet. Really, <laughs> I could look at him on the Google. Yep, everybody can on the Google. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but in my whole game plan for like a week, I didn't think like, how are you gonna know it? It's him. <laughs> Well, I figured I'd know him if I saw him. <laughs> because the one album I have is his first album, and he's just got a hat facing down, so you don't see his head. You don't see his We're face. Looking for the hat. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> could you could you look down, sir? Is, hey, Mike, Mike, do you know that album is called Mosquito or something? Mesquite or something? It's such a great album. It's such a great album. Guy's really great. Did, I mean, he's made you, like ten albums since then. Did you end up talking to him? No, it was packed. It was like 25,000 people there. Oh, it was yeah. packed. So anyways, hopefully he won't hear this podcast, and I won't have to admit that I didn't know what he looked like. <laughs> have you figured out how to get a hold but of him? But does it matter? How about this? Does it matter what an artist looks like? If you love their song, Southside of Hill, to take me home. It matters if you want to talk to him, I guess. <laughs> 
don't know where he is. <laughs> let me let me ask you this: that there are so many great. Okay, back to subjective objective. Boy Genius has a song that is literally "Sounds of Silence" by Simon and Garfunkel. I'm not saying this in a negative way. It's a great song, but like, how do they not pay him? Fifty-eight percent of it, because it's so unrecognizable unless you're really paying attention, right? But the melody is similar. It goes to a different little change on the turnaround of the verse, and it doesn't go to the chorus. But so much of songs, and uh, Ryan Bingham, I've been listening to a lot of his stuff. He's very much influenced by Bruce Springsteen, and particularly the album Tunnel of Love. I bet you he mm. loves that record. You know, people underappreciate Tunnel of Love as a great Springsteen record. Hmm. Do you, I, I, Mike's no, never been a Mike's uh, never, never been, been a big Springsteen, Springsteen fan. Nope. Why is that? He seems like it'd be right in your wheel. Well, it's anybody who's called the boss is just not my cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> it's his nickname. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> you know, maybe that's boss why. This. Maybe that's why Chuck <laughs> Mike fit in so well in Filoni sponsored because I was the boss, but I was known as the asshole. <laughs> you yeah, see, we had a different okay title. Me. We had a different title for the boss in Filoni sponsored. It was called <laughs> the asshole, <laughs> and people called it. People Bob, called it to my face, Chuck. To my face. <laughs> Here's the thing, Chuck. Bob always thought he was the boss because he was so high, but actually Pete was the boss. <laughs> well, Pete, Pete was the shot caller, let's say. Pete was well, the that, shot caller. That kind of means boss. Yeah. Does it? <laughs> yeah. And that was fine with me. No, but, no, but when it came, well, I'm trying to think. When it came to big decisions, I guess Pete didn't make them all. Yeah. <laughs> but but, it, but somehow I felt in charge. That's a masterful <laughs> thing if you think about oh, it. Oh yeah, you're in charge, but some other guy thinks he's the one in charge. That's a pretty. Oh, wow. That's a pretty good. No, I was that's... the boss. Come on, if I, if I, what I said. What I said goes, Chuck. Don't believe the hype. <laughs> you know, Bobby, you'll always be the boss to me. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when it kind of ended. It was me and Chris Hansen. Like I had ruined a bunch of shows in Europe. Like one, I forgot we were playing. That was not good. That's that's like text in the horsehead's uh, territory, right? Yeah. Forget that you're playing a concert. Yeah. Go the other way. Like a, and like it was home, how about like, this? Like there the football the player going down to the other goal. The guns. <laughs> the guns the, uh -huh. I, I and it was because the Guns and Roses guys wanted to get rid of me, so. They were playing a concert at some enormous festival thing, and I was there hanging out. And then I don't know who it was, Duff or somebody said, Aren't you playing tonight? And I was like, No, nah, it's tomorrow night. And they're like, No, it's not. And then one of the like people that works with Guns N' Roses came over and showed me the music magazine. <laughs> and it was right there. You were. And this was like at nine o'clock at night, and I was like seventy miles away from where I was supposed to play. Well, isn't that what just happened to that the guy that you knew, the shifty shell shock guy? He got beat by his band for showing up like fifty minutes into the set, and then they got thrown off the tour. Did they beat him oh, up really? on stage? Yeah, from what oh, I understand, that's so great. I, I heard that there was there was uh, footage of it, but I wasn't going to go looking oh, for man, negative they, shit. But it's just uh, like uh, 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 butterfly, is, right? the My, butterfly guy, Crazy yeah. Town. Oh yeah. wow! So yeah. so I didn't get beat up. I got uh, they were already playing when I got there. Dallas Don was singing fabulously, singing the Bob Forrest lyrics and songs, and uh, <laughs> I didn't know what to do because you walk into a place and your band is playing and somebody's singing your songs. <laughs> <laughs> so it like took me like a song and a half. Like, am I supposed to go up there? What am I doing? And so then I <laughs> walked up and like, okay, I'm here. And nobody was excited. The audience was not excited. I think they were a little angry. Uh, the band was, <laughs> the band wasn't. Chris Hansen didn't walk up to Mike and go, hey, everybody, Bob's here. Hooray. <laughs> See, that's, I think only you and Liam Gallagher show up <laughs> like that and expect to be like welcomed. Yeah, I didn't, well, I didn't get it. So then I felt all insecure, well, fragile me. 
And I, you know, I kind of pouted through it and everybody's mad at me. Pete wouldn't even look at me. <laughs> and, uh, but then I didn't think about like the audience are pretty disappointed. Imagine the band comes out and it's just like, where is that guy that sings? <laughs> it's kind of a letdown, huh? Yeah. So I, I played like the last 30 minutes or something, I think. And Pete, I know Pete's going to fact check this. So I'm going to try it to my, <laughs> the best of my recollection. Well, I we, we there, do need the boss to. <laughs> I get there and it was like kind of a minute or two before I really got up and played. And then nobody was excited that I was there and that kind of hurt my feelings. Because <laughs> I drove there. in a cab for 70 miles. Yeah, but you were an hour late. Yeah, so, so, so get, but get this then. Then I go in the dressing room and our road manager comes over and just poured a pitcher of beer on my head. That's how I, that's how the night ends. <laughs> it's like, don't you work for me? How can you treat me like that? <laughs> she was, she was, how about this, Chuck? I think she was in no fear of getting fired. <laughs> no, you, you were working on getting the band fired. I mean, yes. so, so, so then we played some other train wreck show and then. I don't know. I don't know what happened, but me and P me and Chris Hansen were sitting at a cafe somewhere. I don't even know what country. And I said, "So what? Where? So what? Wh like, what's the next gig? Where are we going? I didn't know. Nobody was telling me anything." And Chris was like, "I'm going home. It's over." And I was like, "Ooh, it's not over. What are you talking about? Don't we have no. we have more shows? We have more shows." And he's like, "No, it's over." Like it's over. <laughs> and I was like, uh -huh. what does that mean? It's over. It's not over. It's not over till the boss. Says it's over. <laughs> I, guess, I guess I should have been clue number one. You were calling I'm the shots. The boss? <laughs> and I'm not the boss. Is that the main clue? It's been determined that the tour is over. We're all going home. Wait a minute. I'm the boss of this. Wait, I, did not, <laughs> I did not sign off on this. I, I don't not, know where I don't you're getting that. No, I want to. And the reason I didn't want to go home is because I didn't have a place to live. I love being on the road that last glory days because I didn't have a place to live. I remember we were coming back from Arizona one time. And it was like after a gig. So we're wheels in, wheels out. We're going to play and then drive back to L.A. And I told the bus driver, like, I don't want to go to Capitol because we used to get dropped off in the Capitol parking lot. I don't want to go to Capitol. Uh, and I sat up in the front seat of the bus to get him. And I got my suitcase and I had my stuff. And I had him pull into like where the bus lane goes for the MTA buses on the freeway, on the Hollywood freeway north out of downtown, mm -hmm. just to pull over at the Alvarado bus stop. <laughs> and he let me off. I just walked with my suitcases up Alvarado to third street, got a little motel and got down to business. I had some money, you know, I had some money. I could get a motel and some yeah. crack. <laughs> who, who were you seeing this weekend? Mike or last week? What do you mean? Who, who were standout acts at the Viva Las Vegas? Oh, I love doing that uh, Viva Las Vegas thing because it's all just Americana bands, you know. Well, I saw Eddie and Jen on Sunday night. I and thought they said it they was saw you. punk rock. It wasn't punk rock bowling you did? No, that's uh, next month. But um, um, I might go to that. But uh, I, I had lunch with Eddie Avlos. Hello, Eddie. How you doing, Eddie? I was a... Eddie is one that posts our, our Don't Die podcast all the time. Yeah. He's like one of my best friends ever. He had heart surgery and survived. Hey, let me, let me actually, hey, Bob, let me, let me mention a couple of people that are on this Don't Die, uh, this group that we have called Don't Die. You can join anybody. There's like th only 300 members. But uh, and, 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 you have to have a computer to do it. Yeah. So you're not in there. <laughs> but uh, Ann Dagnello. Ann Dagnello. Hello. Ann Dagnello. Hey. Oh, my God. Chris Carey, Ashley, and their Chris Carey and Ashley. Lila. Uh, Anna awesome. Wadsworth. Good. Always. Anna. Yeah. And Shauna Reed. That's crazy. Uh, I don't wow. Know. Wow. Yeah. David McCormick just had an operation, and I'm glad it went okay, David. It's great. Yeah. Where is David McCormick? Is he in Alaska or Nevada? He's in, never can keep he's track. In, he's in Vegas. Yeah. 
but he yeah. was from Alaska. Like, how weird right. is that yeah. guy's life? He lived in Alaska, and now he yeah. lives in Vegas. Yeah. Like, but yeah, he how, had some health things, but it came through okay. That's some culture he, shock. kind of worried about him on the thing. Uh, Brad Avery, Paul Holman, the third, who I call Borman, because I've known him since the Susie Gardner days. Uh, Ellen Price. You're, Ellen Price, Bob's not on the internet. He's not coming back, but he says hello, and he loves you, of course. Right? But, yeah, yeah. Well, and uh, Smitty, Scott Redding, uh, Colin Crane. Scott. Sarah, uh. Yeah, Scott Redding's on there. Colin Crane, Sarah Lynch. I don't know how to say her last name. Froymovic. Vitz. Mike Malone, Jack Tripper, Andy Shin, Paul Orloff. All these people get they post all the time on. You here. want to know the strangest really, thing happened? We're really so glad that they do. And wait, there's one last one. This Robin Lee White just had um neighbor whatever uh died after seven years sober, and uh, we just send our condolences to you. He died. Um, she's just devastated beyond belief. Robin uh, Lee yeah, White, yeah. our heart goes out to you. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. that's it. it. Was it drugs? Was it drugs? It was drugs. It was an overdose. Uh, yes, it was. Yeah, you know, that's what I was telling somebody. It's like old, sophisticated, long-term drug users are dying of this shit. Like, no one is spared. It's not just 13-year-old kids their first time. It's like, it's all generations. It's kind of crazy how yeah. how nobody's paying attention to this problem in America. Well, we're too busy paying attention to Donald Trump, right, Chuck? We, yeah. we got really got yeah. Donald, Donald <laughs> Trump. Yeah, know. You know what's so strange? <laughs> Like I, I don't, I don't, I do get news feeds mostly for you get to pick your news feeds. And for some reason I took CNN off, but it just won't stop. But I have enemy. <laughs> I can't look at my phone, but I have, I have enemy, the guardian, New York times, uh, like six things. Right. But so Trump is apparently going to be on CNN for a town hall. And there's this out, uh, outrage or uproar of protest and canceling of CNN for letting Donald Trump be on the town hall. <laughs> Wouldn't you like him to be on the town hall and show what a doofus he is and how he doesn't know anything about anything and he's just going to talk about the election that was stolen from him? It went, how long do you think he will, until the day he dies, right, he's going to talk about the election that was stolen from him? I think so. I think it's his platform, <laughs> right? Well, you know, it's... It was his hit record, Bob. <laughs> you know, there's a thing called borderline personality disorder. And what borderlines love to do is talk about things that you have no intention or interest or don't even relate to the subject you're talking about. They'll just go, what, what about this? And you just, and then you get anxious and you go, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Instead of go, what the fuck are you talking about? We're talking about the, you know, the debt ceiling. We're not talking about the 2020 election, you fucking moron. But he just has these, he has this ability to get everyone's attention to go, look at the bright, shiny object over here I want to talk about. It's amazing when somebody makes George Bush look like smart, really look smart. like a hero. <laughs> like when he talks. <laughs> I, know, I know. I know. I mean, I grew up in a political family where there was political rules, and now there's no rules. So it's kind of, it's kind of weird. Chuck is our like, middleman. I'm the total liberal. And Bob <laughs> is, um, well, I don't know. You guys will have to decide. You can't really <laughs> pick a side anymore because when oh, I can. You can, but it, but it's, it's still there's still so well, much what, idiocy. It, well, and then you got to decide so, like what what uh, what matters to me. Not killing people matters to me, whether it's people on death row or people in in Syria. So I want somebody who will not kill people, right? Unless absolutely necessary. <laughs> who right? gets to decide? As long as I get to decide if it's necessary or not. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, the you know, I, I think it was not subjective. It was objective about the Nazis. I think it was a good killing. It was a good war. <laughs> but, I, you know. I don't was know about it was a good war. <laughs> it was a good killer. No, well, it was I a good war. Contrary to popular belief, Hitler was a bad guy. I don't know about Syria. I don't know about Iraq. I don't know about <laughs> Afghanistan. I'm not so sure of those. Were that. What are you talking about? <laughs> the, Korean, the Korean War hasn't ended, by the way. There's just a standoff right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we, we, you know, like in hockey, when I started following hockey, I couldn't get it like that. There's ties. There's so many ties in <laughs> hockey. Like I come from baseball and basketball.
There's no ties. You Hockey's play until got, you either like die. Like a hockey, a tie, they kind of turn on the lights and the confetti if they get a tie. Like a tie is a good thing. Same with soccer. <laughs> soccer. <laughs> like a tie is nothing. Korea <laughs> is a tie. Korea is a tie. It's not a win. It's <laughs> like hockey. So I'm always looking for politicians that want to stay away from war. Bill Clinton, president for eight years, never started a war. That's that's a hundred percent. That's a hundred percent in my book. Yeah, and took 100%. down the tobacco companies that were that were you know targeting young kids for tobacco use. Mike, you, you love cigarettes, you know, and you complained about all the taxes. I don't love what cigarettes. Talking? I quit cigarettes, but I do. <laughs> no, but back then, when he would Clinton was going after him, you were like, I don't know about this or four dollars. No, I remember what happened, the first Bob. time you played four dollars for a pack, you were losing your mind. I quit. <laughs> That's what happened when they reached five dollars a pack. I was like, you know I what? swear to God, Chuck, I remember like I just because we would go to this gas station on La Brea and Fountain had cheap cigarettes. You could buy like a cheap, shitty brand of cigarettes for like a dollar eighty two dollars and eighty cents. <laughs> two dollars and eighty cents. Yeah, Mike's like four fucking dollars. Goddamn. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, it's an expensive habit. Well, Mike didn't really smoke them. He just liked hanging them out That's of like his mouth. That's like 15 cents a cigarette. <laughs> 15, oh, yeah. And I, I, so I didn't start smoking until I was 30. Smart that move. was a bad Smart mistake. move. <laughs> you know, I want to know about shot caller. You want to know who the real shot caller is? I'm riding in the in a van. We're like somewhere. And I'm dope sick. And PYC and I were getting along good. And Pete says, Bucky, that's my nickname, Buckskin. Bucky, if you have a cigarette, you might feel a little better. And I said, really? And he gave me one. And at the next truck stop, I bought a, a, six, uh, a pack of cigarettes. And so P-Wise is the, oh, Mad Dog 2020. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, that was so, always a good deal. Yeah, Pete, Pete was in charge. I, God, I only realized that now at 62 years old. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's going to change the dynamics in your relationship. Don't let it change. Don't let it change anything. I, you know what? I would. You know how you say you never change anything? Like I've had the same friends for forty-two years. That's pretty good. <laughs> Not many people can say that. Like through thick and thin, up and down, around and around. Me and P. White's have been friends since nineteen eighty-three. Yeah. Forty years. Yeah. Good and bad. And I don't think kids stay with friendships when it's strained. I think they just disassociate and just they're dead to me or they cancel you know they take them off they what do they do they block them on social they media ghost them. They, they, ghost they block them they block them yeah there's no i couldn't block pete weiss if i wanted to he's the kid that lives in my house like it was like in my know. life keith morris blocked how you how could you how could you block somebody you can't keith block morris somebody. blocked you he moved and didn't tell you where he oh was. yeah he, moved he invented he blocking but i <laughs> i fucking tracked them down i found out where they live that you know where they moved to mike Let's how go. crazy is this they moved to rosalia where they both still live <laughs> That's Aww. insane. I was homeless. Yes, I was pathetic. Yes, you didn't want me to know where you lived. But at least I've lived in like eight or ten places since then. <laughs> they lived in the same fucking that place. That makes you the boss. <laughs> I'm the shot You're the winner. Caller. There you are. You're the winner, Bob. <laughs> Most All right, see you later. Don't die. Bye-bye. <laughs> All right, love you guys. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. How do you get out of here? Holy God.